You're listening to a C3 Victory podcast. To find out more, visit us online at c3victory.org.au. Oh, that's a bit better. You guys need to talk to me this morning. I'm excited about bringing a message this morning on our topic of the influential. And this morning, we are looking at specifically fruitfulness. And, you know, the last couple of weeks across both of our campuses, we have been busting some myths. Who likes Mythbusters? Yeah, it's super interesting, right? I feel like God just like busts myths all the time in my mind at the moment. And he's not um, and he's gonna do the same today. He's gonna to bust some myths that maybe we've been carrying around with us about what it means to be fruitful. What even is that? What does it mean? How can I be fruitful? And I feel like he's going to just delve into our minds and change the way we think about that this morning. Not just when I'm feeling great, but every single day, how that looks in our lives. And adjusting our thinking on what it means to be a fruitful Christian today. Does that sound good? Are we ready? Strap yourselves in, let's go. And I've got my headset on, so, you know, things could get messy up here. I've got two hands. We are going to read this morning from John chapter 15, and it's going to be on the screen. And I've chosen first up to read it from the NLT, which is my massive Bible, which is material that I spilt tea on the other day. Yep, that was fun. Anyway... Moving on, John chapter 15 from verse 1, and it says, I am the true grapevine, and my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch of mine that doesn't produce fruit, and he prunes the branches that do bear fruit so that they will produce even more. You have already been pruned and purified by the message I have given you. Remain in me, and I will remain in you. For a branch cannot produce fruit if it is severed from the vine, and you cannot be fruitful unless you remain in me. Yes, I am the vine, you are the branches. Those who remain in me and I in them will produce much fruit, for apart from me you can do nothing. Mighty God, this morning we want to praise you and we want to thank you for your word. We want to thank you that you are going to do a shift in our minds today. Lord, that you are going to bring us closer to you. I pray, Lord God, that we would just take away one thing, Lord, today that you want to speak to us about and that we would take it and that we would run with it, Lord. I pray for our senior ministers that are ministering at C3 Narara this morning. I pray that they would minister powerfully and that they would see transformation happen, Lord God, through the words that they speak. And I pray for Pastor Darren over at our Northwest campus as he brings this word this morning, that there would be an incredible move of God there. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. And I didn't pray for all of you guys who I think the Wallabies, like Willoughby's, the Wallabies lost last night. I don't know. I don't know what they are. <laughs> There's something. And good for us, Pastor Earl's not here this morning. He's at Northwest because he would be like super excited about um, New Zealand. So uh, there is heaps in this scripture that we are not going to be able to pull about, uh, pull 
like a part in its entirety all at once this morning. So we're just going to pick out a few things. It's important to know the context of this scripture, and it is widely known or widely thought that this particular um, part of the scripture was just after the Last Supper and one of the final moments that Jesus has with his disciples. So it's like a really important thing. It's like one of the, you know, when at the, um, at the end of a conversation, you want somebody just to remember one thing. For me, and if it's my kids, and I want them to know, I just want them to remember how much I love them. So that's the last thing that I'll tell them, because that's what I want them to remember. So we've got to think about it like that. This is something very important that Jesus really, really wants the disciples to remember. I um, remember midway through last year, I knocked on Pastor Keith's door and I said to him, hey, can I just talk to you about something? He doesn't like it when I do that because you never know what's going to come out of my mouth. But anyway, and I, so I knocked on his door and I said, hey, can I just talk to you about something? I'm, you know, I'm a bit concerned. And he was like, sure, come on in. And I sat down and I said, Pastor Keith, I'm not fruitful. I don't feel like I'm fruitful. I don't actually even know what it means to be fruitful, but I know that I'm not, and I'm really worried because the Bible's pretty clear that if you're not fruitful, then God cuts you off and you get thrown in the fire, and that's not really what I want to happen. And so I want to know, how can I be fruitful? Now, it sounds maybe a little bit silly when I say it out loud to everybody right here, but it was how I was feeling. And Pastor Keith just smiled in his wise way. And he said to me, why don't you think you're fruitful? And I explained to him that I didn't feel like I was fruitful because I had never led anyone to Jesus through relationship from A to B. So therefore, I couldn't possibly be fruitful. And and to add to that, I felt like, you know, there were some really good conversations that I have with people, and I feel like I give some pretty good advice sometimes. Maybe it's not always good, but most of the time, and people still choose to do something different. And sometimes I feel like they end up further away from God. What's that about? That's not fruit. I feel like I'm just not making an impact, was what I said. Wow. Some of us today might be thinking the same thing. We might think, I'm not fruitful. I don't even know what it means to be fruitful. And I feel like I'm not making an impact, and I have never led anyone from, to Jesus from A to B through relationship. Sure, maybe, you know, if somebody has, like, at that point of conversion, and you are just the one that's there, and, you know, some, a pastor or someone calls you over and says, hey, can you lead this person to the Lord? Yeah, I can do that. I've done that. No problem. But in terms of me and my relationships, I felt like I was failing in this area. The first thing that I want to make really clear this morning is that being fruitful is for everyone. If we revisit the scripture in the Amplified Version, it says, I am the true vine, and my father is the vine dresser. Any branch in me that does not bear fruit that stops bearing, he cuts away, trims off, takes away, and he cleanses and repeatedly prunes every branch that continues to bear fruit to make it bear more and richer and more excellent fruit. Verse 2 tells us that any branch in me and then every branch continues to bear fruit. 
So let's just get a few things out there. You know, basic 101. Jesus is the vine. Got that. God is the gardener. Got that. We are the branches. Do we have that? We are all branches. It's not a few branches that are designed to be attached to the vine. It's every single branch. And we as believers, as Christians, are branches. We are designed to be directly attached to the vine. We're not a twig that comes off a branch that, you know, can be there or not be there. It doesn't really matter. We're not that. We are a branch designed to be connected. When we give our hearts to God, we are a branch. Being fruitful is not restricted to those who choose to go into a life of ministry. You know, last week we talked about being kings and priests. And we talked about the calling on our lives and that we each get to outwork that calling in whatever career we choose, but in every single context that we find ourselves, we outwork that calling for every single person. It's the same with this. For each and every one of us, we are a branch. And we are connected to God. Fruitfulness is for all of us. Fruitfulness is connected to influence. Fruitfulness is the result of being influential. And when we bear fruit, we become even more influential. It's like this cycle that keeps going around. But it's for every single one of us. And we are all supposed to be intimately connected with the vine so it produces fruit. What does that actually mean? The first myth that I'm going to bust today is, I am not fruitful unless. If you've been in church for any period of time, you can feel the pressure of certain types of fruit coming on your life regularly. I know that I have. How many people should I see saved every year, month, or week? What fruit are we even talking about? Is it just helping someone make a decision for Christ? If I don't see this, does it mean that I'm going to be cut off? I have definitely felt that pressure, and I felt it a year ago when I was sitting in Pastor Keith's office. I had to really think about what does it mean to be fruitful, and I had to go away, because Pastor Keith obviously said, that's, you know, you need to rethink what you think fruitful is. And so, of course, he sent me away with homework. How come people can't just give you the answers sometimes? But I had to really go away and explore what does it mean to be fruitful. I needed a new revelation. I needed my mind to be changed. And sometimes when we read this, even this scripture, and we have a wrong understanding of it, it can put pressure or condemnation on us if we think that what it is saying is not what we see in our lives. And that's not what God intends with his scripture. It's a life bringer. There is life in the word of God. Sure, we can get um, you know, convicted of something maybe that we need to change. Absolutely. But he's not condemning us. And so I really needed to understand what it meant. I had limited faithfulness, fruitfulness sorry, to something that was potentially unattainable in my world. The whole perfectionism monster rearing its ugly, ugly head again. We love that one. So let's have a look at it. The thing to remember is that the key is Jesus. That's the key. He's always the key. The key is Jesus, being connected to Jesus, becoming like Jesus, walking with Jesus. 
Let's reread the scripture from the Amplified Classic. I've got a few versions for you today, hey? Keep you on your toes. Remain in me, and I will remain in you. Just as no branch can bear fruit by itself without remaining in the vine, neither can you bear fruit producing evidence of your faith unless you remain in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. The one who remains in me and I in him bears much fruit. For otherwise, apart from me, that is, cut off from vital union with me, you can do nothing. Now, I'm not a gardener, but even I know that a branch cannot survive by itself when it is not attached to the life source. We went for a walk um, uh, just recently down at the Central Coast to a place called Little Beach. And it's one of my brother-in-law's favourite surf spots. If you get to go there, you will love it. It's beautiful. Um, Ben's just waiting for that moment where he can get out on the surfboard with Gary down there. It's really cool. So if you get a chance to walk down there, you will see a massive, massive tree. It's huge. It's on the path as you go down, and it's huge. But at some point in time, there's been some sort of a lightning bolt or something that has hit this tree, and one of its branches, which could have been a tree by itself because it was huge, has been broken off from the tree. And it's sitting next to the path, not connected at all anymore to the main tree. I'm glad I wasn't there when that happened. It's huge. But there was no life in it. The branch itself was dead. There was no leaves. There was nothing coming from it that indicated life. It was just a dead branch sitting on the side of the path. But if you look up into the tree at all the other branches that were connected, they were life-filled. There was leaves. There was lots of indicators to me that there was still life flowing through those branches. A, a branch detached from the life source is not going to be alive. It's not going to fulfill the purpose that it was designed for. And we as believers, as the branches, are going to find the same problem if we are not attached to the life source, intimately connected to the vine, Jesus himself. We as believers receive all the support and all the supplies from the vine. We are not alone. We are not doing it by ourselves because we were never meant to. Jesus is the key. We have to remain attached. The goal is to live, love, and influence like Jesus did. When we are attached to the vine, there are two main types of fruit that are produced. The first one is fruit of the Spirit. If you read Galatians, which I'm not going to have time to do for you this morning, but Galatians 5, 22 to 23 gives you the indication of what the fruit of the Spirit are. Love, joy, peace, we've been there. Patience, everybody hates that one. Gentleness, kindness, those things. Self-control also, that one can be a problem sometimes. They're the things that we will see when we are attached to the vine. And Ephesians 5, 8 to 10 says, for you, once for you were once darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Live as children of light, for the fruit of the light consists in all goodness, righteousness, and truth, and find out what pleases the Lord. We see these become a natural outworking, a natural overflow of who we are because we're attached to the life source. 
The second one is fruit of the kingdom, where we are helping people step closer and closer into a, sorry, closer and closer into a relationship with Jesus. That's the second type of fruit that we'll see. If we read 1 Corinthians 3, 6, it says, I planted the seed, Apollos watered it, but God has been making it grow. We are co-workers. We each do our little part to see somebody come to the Lord. And what that looks like every day is different. For one day, one day you might come across a seed that has been watered and watered and watered and you just get to come in with the final watering and say, hey, do you want to know Jesus? And they're like, absolutely, I'm ready. But for others, it might be that you just get to give them a little part of the very beginning of their journey. And that's just as important Because without that little bit, then when they are ready to give their heart to the Lord, they won't actually be, because they missed a step along the way. We each have a part. Colossians 1, verses 9 to 12, you'll have to go and read these ones, make sure that I'm actually reading from the Bible and not something I made up, because I don't have them on the screen. For this reason, since the day we heard about you, we have not stopped praying for you. We continually ask God to fill you with the knowledge of his will through all wisdom and understanding that the Spirit gives, so that you may live a life worthy of the Lord and please him in every way, bearing fruit in every good work, growing in the knowledge of God, and being strengthened with all power according to his glorious might. And it continues on. We are empowered to do every good work and bear fruit while we do it. A life in Jesus brings fruit of the Spirit and fruit of the kingdom. Pastor Darren came up with a really great working definition of fruitfulness, and I'm going to share it with you. Fruitfulness is the natural result of the abundance of a life in Christ that impacts our inner world and our outer world. So if we think about this, Fruit happens when I am abiding, overflowing, and intentional. The message says, live in me. Make your home in me just as I do in you. In the same way that, you, that, a, bear, that a branch can't bear grapes by itself, but only by being joined to the vine, you can't bear fruit unless you are joined with me. Abiding is imperative. When I learn to dwell with Christ, to make my home with him in my day-to-day, to abide in him, to remain in him, to live with him, to stay connected with him, his life, his truth, his freedom, his joy, his vitality, his vision becomes my reality. The life that is only found in Christ flows into me and leaks out of me everywhere I go. The fruit of the Spirit and the fruit of the kingdom... So more joy, more peace, more patience. Yes, more patience. I needed that this week. That happens when I am abiding in Jesus. And more people are affected because the life that's in me is leaking out into the world around me naturally and normally. Not some weird, crazy way. Overflow. John 7:38 Whoever believes in me as scripture has said rivers of living water will flow from within them. When we abide in Christ and not just feel this pressure to produce fruit, there is an overflow in our lives that comes out into our homes, our workplaces, our neighborhoods, everywhere we go where we truly love people. 
where we operate with sincere joy, sincere kindness, and people around us are drawn into the kingdom of God. Intentionality. And this improves when we're intentional about it. Intentionally connecting ourselves with God. And that looks a little bit different for everybody every day. So, uh, so then, if we put all of that together, I am fruitful when I have a conversation that takes somebody from a minus 10, where zero is knowing Jesus, to a minus nine. I am fruitful when I, sh- when I love my neighbor and I show kindness to them in a tangible way. I am fruitful when I listen to the Spirit and allow him to transform me to be more like Christ. I am fruitful when I stop myself from gossiping when somebody else is. I am fruitful when I lead someone to Christ, absolutely. I am fruitful when I speak the truth into a situation. I am fruitful when I don't compromise, when I am put in a compromising situation and I stand up for my beliefs. I am fruitful when I show someone that believing in God and having a relationship with Jesus is not weird. I am fruitful when I navigate a tough situation in my life without walking away from God. People are people. Their decisions are their own. And if I'm measuring my fruitfulness on somebody else's response, that's not going to work. That's going to bring condemnation. That's going to bring guilt. That's going to bring a whole lot of pressure and a whole lot of things that I don't want to have to deal with. But if I measure my fruitfulness based on what the Holy Spirit is saying to me and stepping out in obedience when I need to, then that's a whole nother story. Because I know when I'm walking with Jesus. I know when I'm doing what the Spirit has asked me to do. I know all of those things, but I cannot make somebody make a decision because that's theirs to do. I can only do what Jesus has taught me to do, told me to do. But I can absolutely stay connected intimately with the vine so that every time an opportunity comes up, I have the boldness to step out and do what the Spirit asks me to do then we're going to see fruitfulness. So the myth that it's not fruit unless a person gets saved is crazy. Let me just wipe that from your, from your thinking. It's fruit whenever we are living, loving, and influencing like Jesus, and that happens naturally when we are abiding in him every day. So myth number two. The next myth I'm going to bust is, I can't be fruitful until... We all have our issues, even me, I know. I tell you about them every time I preach, so you know. (laughs) We all have challenges, we all face things that we don't know how to handle. And we think that these issues and these limitations mean that we are disqualified from being an influence. Or we think that until we can get rid of that thing, We won't be able to be an influence. We won't be able to bear fruit. We see our circumstances, our situations, our lack, and we see that we can't add value for the kingdom. Until I'm more confident, until I am healed, until I am established in my new job, until I have financial breakthrough, until I am married, until that relationship is restored, until I see God move in my life in this area, if I could just get breakthrough, then I could be fruitful. 
then I'll be effective. Who loves Paul Scanlon? I love Paul Scanlon. And God just happened to show me a message a couple of weeks ago, very convenient, thank you, Jesus, which was called the Adjustment Bureau. And the Adjustment Bureau, which I'm just going to share a little bit from, really spoke into this so incredibly well. You definitely should have a a listen to it. But spoiler alert, I'm going to tell you what happens in the end. Paul Scanlon was talking about the story of Joseph in the Bible. And he was giving us basically the synopsis is Joseph was born into a big family. Joseph was the favourite son. Joseph had some really cool dreams, which he shared with his family and they hated him for it. So his brothers plotted to get rid of him, to kill him. They couldn't go through with it, but he ended up being sold into slavery. He got into a whole lot more trouble along the way, but eventually he ended up, after he had been put in jail because of his master's wife, he ended up being second in charge with Pharaoh. And he had an opportunity, because he had an opportunity to speak into Pharaoh's dream. He's given a wife called Potipharah. There's a word, there's a name for all you people having girls next. And he had two sons. One was called Manasseh, and Manasseh means deliverance. And the second son was called Ephraim, and Ephraim means fruitful. When it came time in the story where Jacob and Joseph are reunited, which is beautiful. But just before Jacob is going to die, Joseph wants Jacob to bless his two sons because that was the way that it happened in that tradition. And there was a blessing to flow through Jacob to these two boys. And so uh, Joseph brings the boys forth and Jacob is getting ready to bless them. And he pops Manasseh, remembering that Manasseh's first name, uh, uh, name means deliverance because God had delivered Joseph from all his troubles. He pops him under his right hand for the greater blessing as the first son. And he puts Ephraim under Jacob's left hand, which me and remembering that Ephraim means fruitful. And just before Jacob was about to give this blessing, he crosses his hands. And Jacob, uh, Joseph's like, whoa, 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 dad, 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 you're going a bit senile. No, no, this is the way, this is what's supposed to happen. Deliverance first, fruitfulness second. And Jacob crosses his hands again. You see, God had an intention in that moment. And what, needed, what Joseph needed to see was that the deliverance that he had experienced did not precede the fruitfulness that he saw in his life there. In fact, the fruitfulness comes first. The fruitfulness leads to and precedes deliverance. When we step out and we allow God to use us and to see fruit come on our lives because we are attached to the vine, it doesn't matter what else is going on in our world. We could have a million problems, there will still be fruit because we are attached to Jesus. And the deliverance 
which we still believe for and still believe for the breakthrough will come after. It will come at any point in time, not necessarily in order for us to be fruitful. We have all that we need right now to be fruitful. Not when we get our breakthrough, not when we feel more confident. We don't have to wait until that happens. We have it all now. Joseph had it. Joseph was fruitful when he was being kind to the cupbearer. In fact, his kindness to the cupbearer brought him to a place of fruitfulness in Pharaoh's presence. Everything that we do when we are connected to Jesus, will be, there will be a natural flow of fruitfulness because we have divine assistance in being fruitful. We have the divine empowering us, blessing us, loving us, giving us multiple opportunities to be fruitful every single day. In Acts chapter 3, from verse 1 to 10, you can read it later. Peter and John had no money and they said to a beggar, Silver and gold have I none, but what I do have, I give to you. And in that moment, they were fruitful. And in that moment, that person saw breakthrough in their own lives because of the fruit. Now, Peter and John were poor. They could have said, well, you know, wait, we'll just wait for a bit until we've got a bit more money, then we'll come back. No, no, they had something right there, right then to be able to deliver to this person to see their life bear fruit. It doesn't mean that we don't believe for breakthrough. Please don't hear that. It doesn't mean that we don't believe for the healing that we've been waiting for, for the relationships to be restored. It just means we don't wait for them to happen before we step out and before we can see the fruitfulness in our life. Fruit is something that each of us are capable of producing. Yes, I am the vine. You are the branches. Those who remain in me and I in them will will produce much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. So I want to take the pressure off today. Just abide in Him. Just abide in Him. Fruit will be a natural byproduct of that abiding. The key is Jesus. The fruit of the Spirit will result in fruit for the kingdom. And remember, fruit, yeah, it is important. We're all called to do it, all called to bear fruit. It's a goal. But we may not see every single person that we are in contact with saved, but we will positively impact every single person we are in contact with when we are abiding in Jesus. We won't have to force it. What steps do you need to take today that are going to help you to abide in Jesus? What is the thing that the Holy Spirit is asking you to do to make sure that you abide in Him? What do you need to do to be intimately connected? Maybe it's finding five minutes to just sit and allow the Holy Spirit to talk to you. Maybe it's going through the Word of God with a a Bible plan to be able to delve more into it, to understand it more. Whatever it might be for you, an intimate connection with Jesus is what we are looking for. Or what deliverance are you waiting for today? 
before you think you can be fruitful. I want to ask you to take a moment to decide to step out now and wait no longer. Why don't we stand this morning? Thanks for joining us for the C3 Victory Podcast. We would love to see you at one of our services. To find out more, visit us online at c3victory.org.au or check us out on Facebook or Instagram.